The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Shelley's Show and Tell. Our program will explore and recommend the top beauty, health, and skin care products and treatments on the market, recommended by Real Transformation Skin Care Centers. We'll also bring you tips on home tools that you can incorporate into your beauty regimens and show you how to use the law of attraction to keep you feeling and looking your best. Now, here's your host, Shelley Hancock. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. Shelly Hancock here, and that's Shelly with an EY. Thanks so much for joining me. It's going to be a really, really special show today. I've been so excited about it. I've been kind of like a kid the night before Christmas uh, waiting for this show. I actually started writing it from the deck of my stateroom out in the middle of the ocean on vacation. I just took my first vacation in 15 years. I was 40 when I took my last one, and I'm now 55. Where did that time go? And shame on me for waiting so long. No wonder I've been a bit cranky lately. My apologies go out to everyone that's received the wrath of Shelley's vacation deprivation during the past few months. My husband and I flew to Sydney, Australia, and then boarded a beautiful ship for 12 days of sailing. We wish we would have had more time in Sydney. What a fabulous city. We got to spend just one day walking around, and oh my gosh, we thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. We're definitely going back to Australia. So anyone out there listening from Sydney, we're going to need a tour guide next time we go back. So I did the typical tourist thing and got seasick on our second day out. Oh, that was so much fun. But one little white pill and it was gone, never to return. We spent 12 days enjoying each other, eating great food, working out. I think I maybe even saw an oblique muscle peek through by the end of the cruise. And I read a whole book, which I have not done in ages. I picked it up at Costco right before we left. It was funny. I started telling my husband about it as I was reading it, and he got got so into it that he would encourage me to read more each day uh, because he wanted to find out what was going on. The book was Me Before You by Mojo Moyes. Go pick this book up, you guys. I was so sad when I read that last page, and then it said, there's a sequel. Yay! (laughs) So we met this really great couple from Chicago while we were on the ship. They had the stateroom right next to ours, and we had some great conversations with them. So I would like to give a shout-out to Jody and Jay. If you're listening today, we're so happy to have met you, and we look forward to staying in touch with you, too. Okay, let me do my usual opening show spiel, and then we'll get started sharing some really, really great stuff today. So please visit ShellyShowandTell.com to read more about the things you hear me chat about on this show today and to listen to my past shows. 
My skincare center website is realtransformationcenter.com. We're located in beautiful Capistrano Beach, California, with a fabulous view of the ocean. For my licensed estheticians out there, you can pop on over to ShellyHancock.com to keep updated on the latest in the aesthetic world. And please sign up for my email updates. Also, follow me on social media, like me on Facebook, be sure to put a check in the get notifications box, and connect with me on LinkedIn. And as always, I truly love to receive your comments via email at contactme at shellyhandcock.com. In fact, thank you all so very much for your emails. I just so enjoy reading them, and I'm humbled by all of your encouragement and kind words. If you're listening to my show today for the first time, I want to welcome you and also thank you for taking the time out of your day to join me. I'm a licensed esthetician since 1988 and a skincare center owner since 1990 who loves to share the things I've learned along the way in the aesthetic world, as well as how I've used the law of attraction as a tool to create success and happiness in both my business life and my personal life. If you want to get the complete skinny on me, please go back and listen to my show dated June 15th, 2015. You may hear me reference estheticians quite a bit during my shows each week because I spend much of my time mentoring my fellow estheticians, helping them either start a skincare business or take an existing business to the next level. I love my career. Notice how I said my career and not job. What I do daily is not a job to me. It makes me feel so incredible when someone I've mentored emails me with their success story. It truly makes my day. Now, when you visit ShellyShowandTell.com, there's a page with a list of the estheticians that I've mentored and the information about their skincare centers. So if you ever hear me talk about a treatment or a piece of equipment or some product and you'd like to find an esthetician in your area that's worked with me, ShellyShowandTell.com is where you go to find that information. And once you do visit one of my referral estheticians, I want your feedback. You'll notice a feedback button right next to their contact information. Please take the time to fill out this form because it's really, really important to me that you receive the highest quality of service. Those of you who have listened to my show before know that I usually start off with a what I call food for thought. This is a saying or a short story that I've collected that makes us stop and think for a minute. Today, I have no food for thought because I feel kind of like this whole show is going to be one big food for thought. This trip to Australia was a first for my husband, Nathan, and I. This was a big adventure, traveling so far away from home and then getting on a cruise ship. Talk about being out of your comfort zone. It was actually pretty cool, though, that it was a first for both of us. But because of that, we were a perfect example of that saying, the blind leading the blind. There were times when we didn't have a clue what we were doing and would look at each other for the answers that neither one of us had. Sometimes that was really frustrating because we needed to know what to do right that moment. And then sometimes we would just start laughing. Either way, every single thing turned out just fine, whether we stressed about it 
or we didn't stress about it. Hmm, let me repeat that one. Either way, every single thing turned out just fine, whether we stressed about it or we didn't stress about it. So, which way is better? If everything always turned out okay, wouldn't it be better to not stress about it, to just go with the flow? I'm thinking so. Over the past couple of months or so, my husband and I have been reading and rereading and rereading a book called Discovering Your Soul Signature. Write that name down. You're going to want to get this book. Trust me. If you happen to be busy doing something else while you're listening to me today, plan on coming back and listening to this episode again in a quiet moment. This is some heavy stuff, heavy but great, great stuff that you're going to really want to hear and you also want to be able to let it sink in. The first morning on the ship, while we were sitting out on our deck, looking out at the ocean and drinking our coffee, I opened our book, Discovering Your Soul Signature. The chapter it opened to was called Roller Coaster. It could not have been more apropos for the journey that we had just been through to get to that moment of peace and tranquility on our deck. And I want to share this chapter with you. But first, let me explain a little bit about this book. Discovering Your Soul Signature was written by Panache Dazay. I am so sorry, Panache. I know that I have not done your name justice with that pronunciation. This book is a 33-day detox. No, not the typical detox we all think about with food. This is an emotional or energy detox. He calls all the stuff that we carry around with us, the stuff that doesn't serve us in having a happy life. He calls it density. For me, this has been absolutely the best self-help book I have ever read, and I don't say that lightly. It's had the most impact on my life in a very short amount of time. I've actually lost track of how many times my husband and I have already read through this book. I read at least one chapter out loud every day, or we listen to it. We bought it in CDs as well. When I read a chapter for a second or a third time, we always get something new out of it. We hear it differently. We may get an aha moment that we didn't get the first time around. And that's exactly what happened when I read the roller coaster chapter after making our journey to Australia. So the chapters are split into sections that you read in the morning, at noon, and before you turn out the lights at bedtime. Today, I'm going to read through just morning and noon of this particular chapter. I'm going to leave the night section for you to read once you've purchased the book. This chapter is about halfway through the 33-day energy detox. Okay, here it is. Morning. Newsflash. Life is not going to stop happening. Not for an hour. Not for a minute. Not for a nanosecond. The more we try to control life, the more life closes around us, like one of those impossible Chinese figure, finger puzzles. The more we struggle and try to pull our fingers out, the tighter it gets. Think of a roller coaster. Do you know how in an amusement park you'll see two types of people who ride the roller coaster? First, there's the type who hold the railing so tightly that our knuckles turn white. 
her face a contorted mask of terror. And then there's her friend riding next to her, probably the one who convinced her to go on the contraption to begin with, who is shrieking with joy, palms open, high up in the air, face flushed with freedom and an almost childlike euphoria. Choose. Which one do you want to be? How do you want to feel on the roller coaster of life? Do you want to spend your time on earth petrified and shut down? Or do you want to have your hands open, squeezing out every bit of juice? Imagine, at the end of your life, which way would you like to have lived? I'm not suggesting that it's going to be easy. The roller coaster is full of peaks and valleys. As life continues to happen, it brings a myriad of feelings, fear, anger, frustration, loss, grief, as well as contentment, peace, joy, and the deepest love. The true skill when it comes to riding the roller coaster has to do with maintaining a sense of openness to life as it's happening, instead of trying to control the uncontrollable. How do you do this? By allowing. Remember, fear is an energy that we can allow to run through us. The fear of the adventure on the roller coaster is worth, excuse me, is worse than anything that might actually happen. Fear exaggerates. That's its natural tendency. But no matter how life twists and turns, no matter what the speed, if we maintain that openness, we can keep a sense of peace in the midst of it. A young woman I know was stopped at a traffic light in a tiny car, a Mini Cooper, when she was rear-ended by a city bus going 50 miles an hour. Her car was completely wrecked, and yet she opened the door and walked away with no injuries. Later, she told me that the moment of impact, her body went limp. She just completely let go. We all know what would have happened if she had tensed up. Every bone in her body would have been broken. If we find ourselves in a state of contraction, then the fear becomes dense. It has nowhere to go. It fills us up and consumes us without our even knowing it. But we can learn to take my young friend's posture into life, into everything in life. If we're in a state of openness, the flow remains open. Close your eyes for a moment and imagine something you're particularly a neurotic about. Not the thing that terrifies you the most, but just your basic garden variety phobia. Fear, neurosis. It could be anything. Elevators, escalators, bumblebees, airplanes, you name it. For the sake of this exercise, let's say roller coasters are your thing. Your friend has convinced you to take a ride, and so you strap yourself in. Already, your palms are damp. You feel sweaty a little lightheaded. The car starts to move up, up. What's that creaking sound? Does the amusement park do a good job of maintaining its ride? Up, up. Frantically, you look down at the people on the ground. What if your car comes unhitched? What will the newspaper article say about the tragedy at the amusement park? What will your obituary read? You knew you should have burned those old journals. Now what if your husband reads them? Up, up. Meanwhile, your friend, the free spirit, who convinced you that this was a good idea, has her face turned to the sunlight. 
Her eyes are closed in anticipation. A smile plays at the corners of her mouth. You're at the very top now, the still point, the moment before the plunge. Down, the car moves faster and faster. Your entire body is a rictus of fear. Your heart feels as if it might explode. You come to a screeching halt at the end of the ride. Next to you, your friend is laughing delightedly. You are alive in one piece. Nothing terrible has happened. Nothing except that you missed the entire experience. Allowed density to win the day. Now here's an idea. Take the ride again. Yes, you heard me right. So often, isn't that what we really want to do? No matter how frightened we are the first time around, we discover that there is nothing to hold on to, nothing to be afraid of, nothing except your own limited vision. Fasten your seatbelt with a sense of joyful anticipation. Up, up, the ground recedes as you move up toward the sky. You're breathing deeply, trusting your spirit and the spirit of those around you. You fly down, the wind in your hair, your voice rising, the chorus of others. You're going along for the ride, fully engaged and alive. Okay, I'm not going to be able to do noon. It looks like I might have talked too much to begin with. So what do you think of that so far? Did this hit home for any of you? Did any of you have an aha moment like I did? For me, when I am literally on a roller coaster, I'm that gal encouraging everyone else to come along for the ride. Hold your hands up high and laugh out loud, really loud. But in real life, there are times when I can be the gal that's petrified, holding on for dear life. What I've come to realize, like Panache says, it's the fear of the roller coaster that exaggerates fear. That's much worse than the ride itself. I'm learning to be more open with a sense of wonder when life feels like I've just hopped onto that roller coaster and a scary ride is about to begin. When I do accomplish this, when I'm not fighting it, not resisting it, suddenly everything seems to fall into place. The thoughts and ideas that I need just seem to flow to me. People appear that can help me. Money suddenly falls into my lap out of nowhere that allows me to finish that project. Time seems to free up for me, so I'm a little less stressed. All of this happens because I took my hands off the handlebar of fear. I let go, and I just went along for the ride. Okay, we're going to take a short break now. Hang tight. When we return, I'm going to share another awesome chapter of Discovering Your Soul Signature. I'll see you all on the other side. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Real Transformation Skin Care Center in beautiful Capistrano Beach, California, offers the latest innovative cutting-edge anti-aging and acne treatments. Owner Shelly Hancock has 28 years of experience in the industry, so with that, you can expect to get results. 
Visit us on the web today at realtransformationcenter.com. We offer facial treatments, body treatments, and a variety of skin care products. Call us for more information, 949-481-4037 or at www.realtransformationcenter.com. Shelly Hancock Consulting is your trusted aesthetic advisor. Shelly uses her 28 years of experience to help estheticians take their business to the next level. Shelly offers private one-on-one consulting, plus training workshops, aesthetic equipment sales, skincare products, and business success tips just for you and your business. Please visit www.shellyhancock.com to find out more or to help you transform your skincare business. That's Shelly with an E-Y, Hancock.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Shelley's Show and Tell. To reach our show today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or feel free to email contact me at ShellyHancock.com. Now, back to Shelly's Show and Tell. Welcome back to Shelly's Show and Tell. I'm your host, Shelly Hancock, and today I'm sharing a few chapters from a fabulous book called Discovering Your Soul Signature. This next chapter is really powerful. Well, actually, every chapter in this book is powerful, you guys. You really, really need to purchase this for your library. Seriously, it only takes about 10 to 15 minutes each day to read a chapter, and in just 33 days, your life could be literally changed. We've already given this book as a gift to several people. We sent out the audio version to one family, and they've been fighting, not literally, over who gets to listen to it. It's been life-changing for them. Okay, this next chapter is called Tracking Your Thoughts. I'm just going to get right into reading it, and hopefully this time I'll get to at least get through the noon part, but um, if I don't, you know, just seriously go get this book. Okay, Tracking Your Thoughts, Morning. If our thoughts created our reality, we'd all be in very big trouble. Just imagine if your every thought became real. I hate myself. I wish I were dead. I hate this other person and wish she were dead. I'm a hideous person and deserve the terrible things that happen to me. I think I have cancer. I don't have enough money to pay the bills. Whatever your particular inner tape is, it loops around and around. Trying to stop thinking is like trying to get Niagara Falls to stop being a waterfall. But thoughts aren't the enemy. They just float on by. We're like cowboys out in the wild, and we think we have have to lasso our thoughts, harness them, as if they have intrinsic power. But the truth is that our thoughts, without being backed up by emotion, have no power. 
They have no juice. Only when a thought is consistently accompanied by a feeling does it yield any control over your life. It's actually our vibrational density, the way emotions become stuck in our system that gives our thoughts power. In the absence of that density, our thoughts would be like a beautiful fluffy cloud that just drifts by. There's a prevailing idea out there that we should try to shift our thoughts to forcibly change the content of our minds, but that isn't possible. Just give it a try. Right now, try to change your thoughts in a specific area. Say, if you're preoccupied with a matter at work or a fight you had this morning with your husband, try not to think about that. How's it going? Mm-hmm, it doesn't work. And now, on top of your self-perceived failure for not being able to change what you think about, you're also beating yourself up for thinking things that you shouldn't be thinking. You become your own thought police. Instead of doing that, let's start untangling our thoughts from the underlying emotions that hold them in place and give them meaning. That's true freedom. Think of your thoughts as an invitation to open Pandora's box. Begin with a thought that you have all the time. For instance, one guy I work with has his thought, has, excuse me, finds that his thoughts constantly veer toward a place where he's comparing himself to other people. Is he up? Is he down? Is so-and-so's career going better? Does so-and-so have a hotter girlfriend? More money? Every thought this guy has somehow leads back to a place of comparison. This comparing drives him crazy. He's well aware of it, but he can't seem to stop the looping tape. That's because he hasn't dug deeper, hasn't really sifted through his own particular Pandora's box. What's lurking beneath that rambling inner narrative? What is the deeper hidden voice saying? The endless comparisons are a byproduct of something. But what? To this fella, this fella began to see when he opened the box that lurking in the muddy depths beneath every thought about comparison was a seething, powerful insecurity. He felt that he wasn't enough, that he constantly had to measure up to other people or he might just disappear altogether. And beneath that worry that he might disappear, you've probably guessed it, is fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of insignificance, fear of obliteration. Abject, profound fear was the root of the stories and their endless loop. Our thoughts create patterns. Those patterns become sticky. And when something's sticky, we can't get rid of it. And so we need to ask, what's the underlying energy? Thoughts aren't the enemy. They're an invitation. They're like, fly, they're like owls flying by us with notes on their beaks. We avoid these owls. We're distracted. We look elsewhere. We don't even see these beautiful winged messengers flying by, much less stop and carefully, lovingly remove the notes they carry. As you get into the habit of unlocking these patterns, you start to feel what's beneath them. And then you begin to come to a level of awareness of why you latch onto them. The more you become aware of the energy beneath the thought, the sooner you arrive at the deeper place of peacefulness. This is the profound difference between attaching meaning to something 
and simply observing it. Noon. Your day may be full of chores, meetings, items to cross off your list, a day that will contain many responsibilities. You may be taking care of your children or your elderly parents or both. You may be running a company and have lots of people relying on you. You may be an emergency room nurse or a high school teacher. No matter what the precise circumstances, your day is probably already full to the brimming point where you, before you even walk out the door. So how are you supposed to track your thoughts? How are you supposed to even be aware of thinking? You're too busy doing, 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 running from appointment to appointment, supervising, negotiating, responding, reacting. Who has time to notice her own thoughts? And anyway, why is it so important? Why do we need to even track our thoughts? If we're not aware of them, do they still matter? Oh yes, they matter. They matter a lot. Because our daily thoughts are forming a pattern. This pattern, once we recognize it, is the entry point for us to access the feelings beneath the thoughts and the density beneath those feelings. When we track our thoughts, we're able to get to the underlying emotion beneath them. And when we do this, we've cracked the all-important code. Our thoughts may seem meaningless, disjointed, disconnected, just like random numbers on the dial of a safe. 54 may seem unrelated to 7, which may seem unrelated to 24. But when we undo the locking mechanism, when we open the safe, we discover that which needs to be resolved. And on the other side of that is everything we've ever wanted. Your thoughts are your clues. Observe them. Of course, this isn't something you can do all day long, it would impede your ability to function. This is why it's so important for us to have time to ourselves, to do yoga, to meditate, to sit quietly, to journal, whatever your method is for slowing down enough to see the contents of your mind. Just for today, I'm going to ask you to do something seemingly very simple. During the course of your day, give yourself the gift of three 10-minute increments. Decide when these increments will take place so that you don't get swept up in your responsibilities and miss them. During these 10-minute breaks, do nothing other than observe your mind. Silently watch your thoughts. Your mind will rebel. It will go all over the place. It will want to think about dinner. It will tell you you're hungry or you're bored. Sit there anyway. This is how you begin to rein in the mind. Breathe and observe what's actually going on. As you build these brief moments into your day, as you pay close attention to the contents of your mind, you will begin to come home to your true nature. This is freedom. By recognizing your unconscious patterns, you will be empowered in a whole new way. Hey, it looks like I can do nighttime. So this is the one you would read right before you go to bed. Did you lock the door? Did you take out the trash? Uh Uh-oh, did you leave the candles burning downstairs? What about the fireplace? Are the embers safe to be left for the night? Is the oven turned off? 
Have you walked the dogs? Is the cat inside? There are coyotes out there, after all. It's 11 o'clock in the evening. Do you know where your children are? (laughs) If you were to track your thoughts before you drift off to sleep, they would tell quite a a story along those lines. There would be an aria of worry, a symphony of niggling doubt, background noise, an endless list of what-ifs. We all have these what-ifs. They actually serve a function. These looping thoughts are the part of our decompression at the end of the long day. They are harmless as long as they don't start sticking together, thereby creating density within us. We we don't have to be debilitated by these thought patterns that appear when we first rest ahead on the pillow. We need to understand them for the transition that they are. Otherwise, we are in danger of making mountains out of molehills. The small anxiety about whether or not you've taken the garbage out can quickly escalate to a terrible fear about that new super virus, which you just heard about on the news, and the world coming to an end. The niggling concern about whether the cat is indoors can escalate into paranoia about mass murder or nuclear devastation. The mundane can suddenly turn fantastical and catastrophic, and then, boom, you are wide awake. It all feels incredibly real. Your heart races with every terrible thought your mind can muster. Understand that this mundane background music, the cat, the garbage, the back door, is a buffer zone separating day from night. We don't have to be jolted out of our serenity, and so it's important to understand that. Though the thoughts come, we do not need to act upon them. They are phantoms of our own making. We dismantle them, these thoughts, first by witnessing them. We recognize them as a recurring pattern. Oh, hello, old friend. There you are again. Notice that you experience the same cluster of thoughts again and again. This is not a new movie playing out in your head. Allow this pattern to recede to a murmur. That's all it really is. You have every right to this moment, to this peace and quiet, to this space and tranquility. You have done everything you need to do, and now it's time to just be. The door is locked. The oven is off. The candles have been snuffed out. The dog is in his bed and the cat is downstairs purring. Your children are reading their own books under their covers. All is well. I think that Panache had me in mind when he wrote this chapter. (laughs) I've always said that I wish I could find the off switch in my brain. My mind seems to go 50 miles an hour most days. My husband and I started doing a meditation about seven years ago called Holosync. I highly recommend that you look into that. And I believe that that's been a saving grace for me. Things in my life started to change once we started taking 30 minutes every day to disconnect from the fast moving world around us. The opening sentence of this chapter is really powerful, isn't it? Think about it. If our thoughts created our reality we'd all be in very big trouble. We're extremely blessed that our every thought doesn't become a thing. Can you imagine what our lives would be like? 
Did this chapter hit home for any of you like it did for me? Is your mind a mishmash of things running rampant? Can you imagine what's underlying? What's lying underneath those thoughts that can be a clue to what's holding you back from your best life ever? After hearing this, do you feel compelled to look a little deeper? I sure did. This cruise my husband and I are on wasn't just a fun, relaxing cruise. We were there as a part of a workshop as well. You've heard me mention Abraham Hicks quite a few times. We were there with a group of people that follow this mentor, and six days out of the 12-day cruise, we were spending half of the day in a workshop with 900 like-minded people. The energy in that theater was absolutely incredible. You could feel the kindness openness and joy coming from every single person in that room. It was awesome. I took something quite profound away with me from our very first workshop. I'm going to share something very personal with you, but I'm guessing that it'll hit home for a few of you listening today. So I'm really open to sharing this. The format of the workshops is that someone is picked to sit in the hot seat, as they call it, and ask their question about something going on in their life. It's really very interesting how you can always, always get something for yourself out of the answer to someone else's question. This particular woman was stating that her spouse of 33 years was not on the same path in life as she was. He was not on the trip with her, and he did not believe in this law of attraction thing she was so involved with. In fact, he thought it was kind of hocus pocus. He had many physical ailments and she was concerned about him, but also she felt so overly connected to him that she thought that she should be able to have some control over his thinking about these physical ailments. In other words, she felt like she should be able to convince him to think positively about his ailments instead of complaining about them. Now, that's not ever going to happen, is it? We only have control over our own thoughts, never anyone else's. It was suggested that the best way for her to deal with this was by keeping her attention on herself. She should be leading by example instead of trying to talk him into something. She needed to take care of herself and stay on track for herself instead of worrying about him. The best thing would be for her to keep her thoughts on the best possible scenario for her spouse, but to keep those thoughts to herself. Let him deal with him. Sounds kind of cold at first, but here was my aha moment from listening to this. My husband and I are so very connected that if one of us gets thrown off track by something, the other one tends to jump off track just to be with the other. Now that we're both off track, all hell can break loose. Excuse my language. Wouldn't it be more beneficial if one of us stayed on track, stayed steady, stayed strong, holding down the fort while the other one was finding their way back? Doesn't this make much more sense than jumping off into the muck together? We actually had a really long conversation about this, and we decided that we were going to do our best to be aware of this next time that this scenario came up. I think we tend to think it's selfish to think about ourselves first if a loved one is going through a rough time. But really, it's more important than ever to keep yourself on track for that other person. This was a really big aha moment for both myself and my husband. Okay, break time again. Hang tight. When we return, I'm going to share one last chapter of Discovering Your Soul Signature 
and it's a good one. I'll see you all on the other side of the break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Real Transformation Skin Care Center in beautiful Capistrano Beach, California, offers the latest innovative cutting-edge anti-aging and acne treatments. Owner Shelley Hancock has 28 years of experience in the industry, so with that, you can expect to get results. Visit us on the web today at realtransformationcenter.com. We offer facial treatments, body treatments, and a variety of skin care products. Call us for more information, 949-481-4037 or at www.realtransformationcenter.com. Shelly Hancock Consulting is your trusted aesthetic advisor. Shelly uses her 28 years of experience to help estheticians take their business to the next level. Shelly offers private one-on-one consulting, plus training workshops, aesthetic equipment sales, skincare products, and business success tips just for you and your business. Please visit www.shellyhancock.com to find out more or to help you transform your skincare business. That's Shelly with an E-Y, Hancock.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Shelley's Show and Tell. To reach our show today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or feel free to email contact me at ShellyHancock.com. Now, back to Shelly's Show and Tell. Welcome back to Shelly's Show and Tell. I'm your host, Shelly Hancock. Let me share with you how we found this book. Marilyn is a friend of ours and a fabulous esthetician with over 40 years experience in the industry. She was my mentor years ago. Marilyn is an incredible speaker. I could listen to her for hours. She would come speak at my spa for my skincare clients and I would just sit and watch her mesmerized by the way she spoke. I wanted to be able to do that. But standing in front up in front of a group of people absolutely terrified me. In fact, the first time she came to speak at my spa, I wrote this fabulous speech to introduce her. Now, writing is easy for me. I practiced it and I practiced it. Oh, it was so good. And I was so excited about this introduction. That evening came and we had about 20 of my clients in the room. Now, these were people I had known for years. These were not strangers. I got up in front of the room, I took a deep breath, I stood there, and nothing. I couldn't even think of the first word of my speech. I completely froze. 
I stood there for a split second, nothing coming out of my mouth. And then all I can think of was, here's my friend Marilyn. (laughs) And I ran to the back of the room as fast as I could. Needless to say, everyone had a big laugh about that. So now years later, I can give an eight-hour workshop in front of a group of people with no problem at all. But it definitely was a journey to get to this point. So we hadn't spoken to Marilyn in at least five years, but she's one of those kind of friends that you just pick right back up with. I was thinking she'd be a great guest on the show, so I called and left her a message. A couple of weeks went by, and one day we were driving um, from Southern California to Northern California, and we were out in the middle of nowhere on Highway 5 when the phone rings, and it's her. We had so much fun catching up with her. She got a a kick out of the fact that the girl that couldn't even introduce her properly now has a radio show. She agrees that she would love to be on the show later this year, and we hang up. Two seconds later, the phone rings again, and she says, oh, oh, you guys, I wanted to tell you about this life-changing book called Discovering Your Soul Signature. You've just got to get it. So I write the name on a piece of scratch paper and throw it down in my purse. I don't find that piece of paper again for about three weeks, and when I did, something told me that I was supposed to order this book, and I have to tell you, I am so very happy that I did. Thank you, Marilyn. Okay, so this next chapter, I felt compelled to share with you because it really resonated for me when I read it. The title of the chapter is List of Gripes, the passive aggressive way we can be about not speaking up about how we truly feel. We just tend to poke at each other sideways, a little dig here and a bigger dig there, I'm actually embarrassed to say that this can be me at times, and I deal with this type of interactions on a daily basis on the phone and in emails. In fact, we all do. This happens so much now with Facebook and all the internet forums. It's so easy for people to take jabs at each other behind the protection of their computer screens, right? So let me just go ahead and read this chapter. List of Gripes. Morning. Gripes are a passive-aggressive way of dealing with life. A gripe isn't as powerful or pronounced as being pissed off. It's more subtle than that and therefore slightly harder to identify. How do we express the energy of a gripe? It has a different vibe about it than the energy of anger or rage. In order to really see our gripes in full flower, We need to become aware of our own passive-aggressive nature. It's nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to feel badly about. We're human, and we all have it in us. But when we bring our gripes into the light of awareness, that's the beginning of the end of them. Gripes are born of victimhood. Victims gripe. That's what they do. Victims also gossip. It's an under-the-radar thing, and you may not even be conscious of doing it. For example, at work, you'll gripe. Your boss has done something that bothers you. Or let's be honest, maybe you're just jealous because your boss is your boss, and you'll find ways to undermine him behind his back. You'll gossip about him with a coworker, or you'll roll your eyes when he walks by. You'll never muster up the nerve to actually tell your boss how you feel. No, This energy is behind the back thing. When we're in the energy of victimhood, 
We do this all the time to colleagues, to other parents at school, a doctor who doesn't treat us respectively, really to whomever, whatever, whenever. And let me ask you a question. What are the benefits? There aren't any. It's easier if you tell people how you feel about them, period. It's honest, less subversive. There's a finality to it as well. It takes a lot of effort to hold on to gripes. So when you're honest and authentic, it becomes a lot easier to navigate on both sides. Gripes are born of unexpressed resentments. They can quickly morph into something a lot bigger and more toxic. Don't let a gripe turn into a gusher. Left undealt with, these can become huge and all-encompassing. They can become the multiplying factor to a destructive energy that builds and builds. Let's think for a moment about the energy of resentment. What does it look like? What does it feel like? The energy of resentment leaks out sideways. Until it's tackled directly and with authenticity, it has no clarity. It's not clean. It's not clear. We mutter something under our breath. We entertain toxic thoughts full of negativity. We have a running commentary in our heads. And all of this is coming from a space of victimhood. If you're in an empowered place, communication is delivered in a completely different way. There is no charge or residual underlying energy to it. It's just delivered in a way that's real. So let's get you to that empowered place. To begin today's exercise, first become aware of your gripes. Write them down. Don't stop. If you're like most of us, your pen will keep moving and moving. Scribble out as many as you can. Let it fly. Often, we walk around without realizing how many gripes we're carrying. Our kid's teacher, the school principal, the lady at the dry cleaner who always breaks the buttons, all the way to our best friend who missed our birthday, our husband or wife, who has a habit that gets under our skin. Don't edit yourself. Get every single gripe on that paper. Now, once you've written them down, begin to get in touch with the energy that's holding each gripe in place. If you get quiet and focus, you'll start to feel the charge underneath. Usually, it's a version of fear, anger, or sadness. For instance, Your middle-aged husband has gained some weight. When he reaches for the pint of Ben & Jerry's Chunky Monkey, you snap, Really? He looks at you hurt and surprised. Your gripe has just leaked out sideways. But what's driving you in that instant is sadness and fear. Your husband isn't taking care of himself. You fear for his health. Now, what would happen if instead of that sideways leakage, you gained clarity and simply said, it makes me sad that you're not taking care of your health. Can you imagine what a difference it would make if you're able to identify your potential gripes before they even take root and speak from a place of empowered clarity in all areas of your life? Noon. The truth wants to be heard, but we are wary of expressing the truth because we fear how it will be heard and interpreted by others. And in the meantime, we stew in our gripes. 
Our gripes often occur when communication breaks down. A friend is chronically late for dinner dates. You're left waiting with nothing to read except the menu, checking your watch. She breezes in 20 minutes late with her usual apology about the traffic. You grit your teeth, smile, and say, no big deal. But it is a big deal, isn't it? This is what always happens. You feel put out, insignificant, taken for granted. Your husband isn't helping out with the kids as much as you wish. He's on the sofa watching the football game while you're cleaning the dishes from last night's dinner party, a party for his colleagues. Instead of letting him know how you feel, you load that dishwasher with gusto. Can't he hear the clattering plates? Doesn't he get it? Well, why would he? You're not telling him. The foundational energy of gripes is anger. In fact, you can be sure that whenever you feel an initial flash of anger, there's a long list of gripes just behind it because anger doesn't come out of nowhere. It builds up slowly. It requires momentum. Here's what we usually do with our gripes. We complain. We gossip. We enlist others in our drama. A friend of mine, a playwright, received a note from another friend, also a playwright, asking if she'd be willing to give him feedback on a recent production. My friend has tremendous respect for his fellow, for this fellow, and has over the years given him a huge amount of professional guidance and support. But when she received this particular note, it was as if a drawer popped open inside her and a half a dozen gripes spilled out like scraps of paper. She realized that she had given her friend an early draft of a play of hers months earlier, and he hadn't responded. Then she realized that they usually meet for lunch in his neighborhood, not hers. The gripes went on. None of these small incidences had felt like gripes when they first happened. They were tiny red flags, so small, she didn't even see them. It took the accrual of all of this in order for her to register that now she had a capital G gripe on her hands. My friend waited until she felt clear. She was in a state of authentic transparency. She understood her gripe to be, underneath it all, an expression of her sadness, her insecurity, of not being seen or understood. Feeling clear about this, she wrote a loving note to her friend, not angry, not hostile, but simply stating from her heart how she felt. My friend instantly felt unburdened, lighter, clearer. The gripe was gone because she had expressed it. It wasn't about how it was going to be received. It wasn't about the result. Expressing your gripes is an act of self-love. Just for today, don't leave any loose ends. This is not an invitation to let it rip. I'm not suggesting that you plow your way through the day like a bulldozer, letting everyone in your path know exactly what you think. No, expressing your gripes requires discernment. Walk through your day with an awareness of when a thorn, when you feel a thorn in your side. Take note. In the moment that's right, pull out that thorn or breathe and consider whether this is the right time. Ultimately, we want to achieve such clarity that gripes never have a chance to build up within us. When this happens, all that accumulated density will vanish. We will be filled with instant lightness, grace, and a sheer buoyancy. 
So I have so much more to say about this, and we actually didn't get to the evening, but this is such a powerful, powerful book. I'm hoping that you've already gone to Amazon while you've been listening to Midday and purchased this book, Discovering Your Soul Signature. And unfortunately, that's all the time I've got today for today. I want to thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. And I also hope that you learned a thing or two and maybe had an aha moment. Please feel free to share your thoughts and ideas with me. Let me know if you liked this enough for me to do a second show with more chapters. Email me at contactme at shellyhancock.com. And remember, that's Shelly with an E-Y. Please tune back in next week for more exciting adventures on Shelly's Show and Tell. I'm your host, Shelly Hancock. Until next time, be well and be happy. Thanks for joining Shelly Hancock for Shelly's Show and Tell. Be sure to tune in again next Monday afternoon live at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We can't wait to speak again next week. We'll be right back.